one of the blessings of doing this practice <coughs> is is that you get to do it when you get old. In fact, I think you even get better at it. It's interesting to watch how one's, my conception of what it is about changes over time. I, I think it's probably aging, but I hope it's uh, wisdom. <laughs> but one is never sure about that. <clears throat> I used to, when I was a young person sitting on the Zafu, I used to attack my meditation with armor and swords and uh, particularly the breath. I think I had a war with the breath for a long time. The idea was to achieve something, to, of course, be enlightened. To, you know, be better, a better person in some way. All the promises of the path. <clears throat> I never, uh, I never <clears throat> dared aspire to the whole thing because my understanding of nirvana was that it was, um, you get to a place where it's neither good nor bad. And uh, <clears throat> that doesn't sound so great to me. <laughs> Being into uh, experience and excitement. I was a, always an excitement junkie. And then later on I studied more and I realized the, the Buddha called nirvana the realm of the deathless. And fear of death was settling in so that sounded pretty good actually <laughs> the realm of the deathless it's still hard to get one's mind around it and I think that uh, that's the point you can't <laughs> so being a spiritual warrior was very romantic for me for a long, long time. <clears throat> More recently, in the, the last few years, it seems to me, has seemed to me more and more that the whole thing is about learning to accept life the way it is. And when I think of that now, I, I internally go, duh, you know. <laughs> accept life the way it is. Down where I live in Mexico, there's an expression, así es. Así es. It is the way it is. Tranquilo, así es. Think of Leonard Cohen's song, If It Be Your Will. 
if it be your will. So I've been more and more seeing, understanding the path as, as learning to accept what is. And understanding that that's what meditation is about. It's no big deal. You sit down and hopefully in the company, company of others and be quiet and make an attempt to watch or observe what it is that's happening at a very basic level. And of course, as you've been doing all day, here we are, made it through the first day, watching thoughts, if we're lucky. Usually it's swimming in thoughts, right? There's a constant litany of it. It doesn't end. I'm kind of sorry to tell you that, but it doesn't stop, really. It just goes on and on, thinking. Maybe wisdom, part of wisdom is the dawning realization that it's mostly irrelevant and uh, doesn't bring any kind of solution to the dilemma of being human, that we're all starring in that movie. Asias, it is as it is. But acceptance, allowing life to unfold without stepping in the road and trying to direct it, can only begin to happen with mindfulness. You can't accept something that you aren't familiar with. Mindfulness, being willing to be present without any guarantee about what you're going to be present for. It's very unpredictable, very unpredictable. You can sit down and be happy the start of a sitting, lovely songs going through your head, and by the end of the sitting, you're ready to cut your wrists, you know. It's how it is. It changes so fast. Acceptance is possible when we can see a little bit about how it is, how thoughts are relentless and continuous. Now body sensations are here every moment. Some of them cozy and others of them very unfriendly, you know. All the business of liking and disliking. Acceptance has a lot to do with letting go of disliking and liking. It dawns on us at some point what I like and what I dislike doesn't seem to make much difference. 
What it is that comes, comes anyway. <clears throat> Acceptance. No small thing. One has to have kind of a wide open mind to really accept what comes. It has a lot to do with letting go of uh, expectations, of course, obviously, but also of opinions and also of any attempt to make it better, change it. And that is very difficult because the ego self's main job is to be critical of how it is and to look for change, how it can be better. And mostly it's critical of you. You may have noticed that voice or those voices are telling you you're not quite measuring up. And you think probably that yours is the only one saying that, but we're all the same in that way. Acceptance, kind of standing in empty space, willing to be with what it is that arises without the need to judge it. And with practice, there comes the possibility actually of gratitude and welcoming whatever it is, even the bad stuff, embracing whatever comes. That's really kind of advanced work. I can see the older people here are understanding what I'm talking about. No one, Wes was saying to me earlier this afternoon, no one ever told us how to get old. You know, there's no lessons or manual. And then I think, well, they did try to tell us, but we didn't hear it. You can't hear it until you're old. <laughs> and then you understand. Yeah, Dad says, you'll understand when you're my age. Acceptance. open-hearted it isn't passive it's it's looking out into the emptiness and with a will to participate in dissolving and disappearing and opening to the unknown really the unknown not knowing anything acceptance The benefit of that is a little bit of freedom, but even more, it creates a kind of internal climate where surrender becomes eventually possible. And surrender comes by chance. I like to think of it as by grace. We can't decide to surrender. I mean, I've never met anyone who could. It happens when the cake is baked. It happens when the time is right. I see us surrender. And surrender is the real freedom. 
And surrender is a deep peace of mind that's so sweet that you realize, oh, that's what happiness is. That deep peace, real happiness, surrender. Uh, I have this quote here from one of my favorite guys, Ajashanti. You'll bear with me just a minute. I like it a lot. <clears throat> In order to discover our autonomy, we must be free from all external control or influence. This means that we must free our mind from all that has, it has collected, all that it clings to, all that it depends on. This begins by realizing that we are in a psychological prison created by our minds. Until we begin to realize how confined we are through mindfulness, we will not be able to find our way out Neither will we find our way out by struggling against the con confinement. We have an inherited from our parents, society and culture, that confinement. It is only by beginning to examine and realize the falseness within our minds that we begin to awaken an intelligence that originates from beyond the realm of thinking, beyond thought. You hear that expression a lot. What is beyond thought? Is there such a thing? There is. It isn't that thought stops, it's just that there is more than thought. Beyond thought. And that's where love lives. That's where compassion lives. And that's where it comes from. That, that emptiness, that indescribable nothingness that brings everything we're looking for and really is where we originate where we come from beyond thought beyond the thinking mind acceptance and surrender well, one of the reasons I'm speaking about it is that recently I've been very moved by uh, an event that I'm sure you know about, the event that happened in Chile with 33 miners. Captured the attention of the world, certainly captured mine. Talk about learning acceptance and surrender. I think this event is a cosmic spiritual teaching, actually. It's so graphic and so universal. It captured the attention of the world because everyone related and relates to the predicament, the, the situation these men found themselves in, out of the blue unpredictable. The story is that they had gathered for lunch 
in the large cavernous space, 2,000 feet under the ground, where they carried on their social life while they were working, took breaks, had lunch. And while they were there together, the 33 of them, the world collapsed. There was a huge, huge sound, and they knew something tremendous had happened. Some of them thought earthquake. And the air in that cavern was filled with dust and debris. And it was difficult to breathe. And they didn't know really what had happened. And it was dark. And the air didn't clear for quite a long time. Can imagine this? Can you imagine this? These 33 guys. And then when things did become a little clearer and they explored, one of them who was a runner who, who did the marathon in New York, I guess, recently, started searching for ways out by running up and down the, the corridors or the passageways. And it dawned on them that there was no way out. And they didn't know if anyone knew where they were. And it's dark. They were in this condition of not knowing anything for 17 days. 17 days. They reacted, some of them, very differently. Several of them went to lie down and decided not to get up, awaiting death because obviously that was what was coming. Slow death by starvation. The story, what little story is available is that fist fights broke out. There was fighting. The wonderful thing is that they're not talking about what really happened down there. They were confronted with the demand for acceptance in a very unique way and surrender. They had a little bit of tuna fish Somehow, I don't know, one of them organized the, the food distribution and they were each allowed a bottle cap of tuna once a day. There was some water, but it was oily water, machine for the machines. And there they were for 17 days. And they 
formed a civil society somehow. This is the story. Because when they were finally discovered, and the, you know it was possible to get the camera down, and et cetera, et cetera, and some light, they were smiling and had their arms around each other. Those guys. After 17 days. And then they started hearing sounds of the probes searching for their cavern. And they always were missing them. And there was no way they could let the people know where they were until finally a tube probe broke through the ceiling and they, they signaled that they were there. And they sent up notes saying everybody was okay. Can you imagine what they went through? together. So then, you know, help came in the way of food and water and advice and consultation with psychologists and NASA got involved instructing them how to live in claustrophobic conditions. Japan technology arrived psychologists from all over the world, group, dynamic people there. You know. They could probably teach that. And then, I think you, you know the story, finally uh, a, a large drill bit arrived from Pennsylvania. The whole world was involved in this. And that drill bit was strong enough and large enough to break through after many days. And no one knew the word was it would take four months. Four months. And then, of course, the capsule was engineered and all of that technology was created to lower the capsule and they were brought out one by one. One of them had to wait to be the 33rd. And I would imagine that all that time it was never certain that this would be a successful operation. Dramas happened. One guy's wife discovered that his, he was had a mistress. She, she was there waiting too. You know. <laughs> Life goes on. Amazing story. A spiritual transformation under pressure and a lesson for this world today if anyone is able to receive it because our world is pretty entangled in confusion. They formed a loving civil society under those conditions. Amazing, amazing. And then the first guy who came to the surface made a statement. And it's, as far as I know, the only real statement 
that they have uttered because they have an agreement among themselves not to talk about it yet. No one knows. The media is going nuts, you know. Brad Pitt has the screen rights. I just learned today. But they're not talking. The first guy who came out, you know what he said? He said, God was down there. The devil was there too. He said, they fought. And God won. When I hear that, it gives me chills. That's the most profound spiritual teaching that has come out of a human mouth in ages. Really. Acceptance. So, why am I doing this? Why am I talking about this? Well, I think it's fairly obvious. You're all prisoners also. We all are. This is an analogy, not only for life situation, but particularly for this situation. We're all imprisoned by our conditioned minds, our belief systems, the ego, images of self, habits of thought, the way we see the world through a lens that divides it into us and them, up and down, black and white. We're all trapped in that dichotomy we're all prisoners. And that's why I believe that it caught the imagination of the world. There's some level that everybody knows that, although mostly the reaction is denial. Trapped prisoners awaiting death. Working very hard to distract ourselves from the truth of it. We're not much different. It's a lot easier, but it's the same cavern. And there is in each of us, in within every form here in this room, that tube the sound of that drill, you see. There is within each of us the pathway to freedom, the road to the upstairs, outside, out of the trap. There is that in each of us. It's absolutely true. What this retreat is really about and what this practice is really about is getting quiet enough and aware enough to 
come into contact with and open to that tube to the emptiness, to the freedom, to the outside, to the inside. We're learning to be attentive to something within us that is life, eternal, that is unconditional love and compassion. Every spiritual teacher down through the ages, they all have said the same thing over and over and over. And, and this happening in Chile is not just words. It's a concrete presentation of the situation, if you can see it. Yeah. It's one of my... It's called Facing Facts. This world is a vast prison. I know because I've been outside where the cloak of separation no longer wraps around some spirit that cries for freedom but can't remember long enough to rest in peace. This world is a trap, a maze leading in only into solid walls of limitation and frustration. There is a path to open air, but to actually stride there requires more courage than most of, us, most of us have a right to. Stop trying to get free. Give up the desperation. Let them come and get you when your time is up. No one knows how long we have to serve. We only have what is here. ACS. Isn't that what it's about, this practice? It isn't about creating anything or building anything or changing anything. It's about discovery of what makes us really human, what makes us really loving what brings us really peace. And it always comes from within. It never comes from without. Not the real kind. One of the, my heroes, my heroes who's said it better probably than anyone, or at least as good, it was the great dancer, Martha Graham. And I've read this hundreds of times in retreats, I think, but here it is again. There is a vitality, a life juice, an energy, a quickening, that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. That's radical language. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, 
nor how it compares to other expressions. It is your business to keep the channel open. You do not even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep open and aware directly to the urges that activate you, the urges that activate you, your heart. Follow your heart. Keep the channel open. That's what they did down there in that mine. They opened the channel. And they learned how to live together in love. And it's so huge that the, each of them was transformed. They all say that they're totally different now. And they recognized, I'm sure, the momentous impact, import of what they went through so clearly that they have some kind of pact about not dissipating it, not cheapening it, you know, not selling it to the Daily Enquirer. You know, they haven't spoken about what happened there. And when you leave this retreat and you go to wherever you go and you run across your family and your friends, you'll try to describe to people what, what happened to you here and you won't be able to. Not adequately because it's an experience. The experience of awakening is unimaginable. It isn't describable. There are no words for it because it's beyond thought. And because it's beyond thought, that's why we pay so much attention here to watching the thoughts, being able to identify, oh, this is thinking. Just to know that is a huge step. Oh, thinking is happening. You see, because it allows then for the possibility that you don't believe it entirely. just thinking. Sitting in the teacher's room in front of the computer that I use there, the teacher's computer, and there's a printout that, like the daily news that keeps going across this, the this screen. <laughs> Actually, I'd kind of like to turn it off. The printout is, nothing is worth thinking about. I'm not sure that's true, but I do know that it isn't going to bring an answer, thought, and you don't have to believe them. The thought process is the tool, the expression of the separate self. It's founded in separation. In a world in which there is a me and a you and a a big chasm in between out of which arises fear and suspicion and suffering. That chasm, I call it the wound, the original wound. It's a point of view. The ego self that you're studying in this retreat 
it's a study, this is what you're doing, how it works. It's a point of view, it isn't a thing. It has no existence of its own. It's simply a way of seeing the world. And that's the prison. The prison is the way we see it habitually. The Buddha called it wrong view. That's graphic, wrong view. And he said, it's, the story is that when he awakened and looked around with his open vision at humanity, what he saw was that everybody was asleep in some kind of coma of not knowing. And he called it ignorance. Everyone is suffering from ignorance. And the ignorance is not knowing who we are. Those guys down there in that cavern discovered who they are. And they formed a civil, loving society. Quite, quite amazing. Now, in this process of discovering how thought works and learning to be with sensations and learning to not identify with all of it as being me, the me, in this process, of obstacles come up automatically, and you're encountering them. And I want to m mention them now, since it's so much the beginning of the retreat, it would be good to be able to watch out for them. There are classically five obstacles. In the, in the literature, they're called hindrances. Let's, let's call them, in New Age speak, challenges. <laughs> You're being challenged all the while you're practicing. They're, they're so obvious that it's, it's amazing, you know, that we have to be told. <clears throat> the first one is attraction. Attraction. A movement in the mind towards something. It wants more of it. It likes it. It could be a thought. could be an, a delicious sensation in the body, could be a memory, could be a compulsive planning for the future, could be that person in the back of the room that you can't stop looking at, it could be, could be attraction to the teachings, even attraction. It's an obstacle to clarity. The second one is the, the opposite of that. The second one is aversion. It's also a movement in the mind. These, and these are activities of the ego self. Aversion is a pushing away of something. I don't like it. It's disgust. You carry aversion and 
to its limit and it becomes disgust, repulsion, anger, rage, hatred. You know, it's all in degrees. Just the same way, attraction becomes lust and greed. Those are obstacles to clarity and they come up in your your um, psyche, your mental state, like the clouds came over into uh, the sky today and dropped rain. They come like the weather. They're natural. It's just to be sure that it isn't easy for you. Yeah. It's to imprison you in the cavern so that there's a, there's a push to wake up. The third one is restlessness. You probably have experienced it already, and if you haven't, you will. Some of them, sometimes it's more than one at once, if you're really fortunate. Restlessness comes, and it's uh, uh, just what it sounds like. You can't rest. You can't, you can't relax in your skin. Everything is, like, agitated, and the the fingernail across the blackboard phenomenon restlessness and just like attraction and aversion restlessness and all the other ones the only way we can work with them is to accept them and it helps to accept them if you can identify them oh oh this is restlessness as soon as you can name it everything gets easier. There's a possibility of accepting it and being with it. And they, all, and they pass. They pass. The fourth one is doubt. I'm sure those guys down there experienced a lot of doubt. In those 17 days particularly. When they heard the probes and they knew they were not finding them. Will they be here in time? Is, will I get out of here? Why did I come to work this morning in the first place? You know, Why did I come to this retreat? Eight more, how many more days of this? Yeah. Doubt can be of anything, everything. It's a state of mind. Comes through like weather. And if you can label it, you, it's workable. And then the fifth is, um, it's a, I don't, the, the, the name of it is kind of strange. The fifth is sloth and torpor. Sloth and torpor. Do you know where it comes from? Do you know the three-toed sloth? And it's a little animal with huge eyes, and it hangs in a tree in South America, in Brazil, I think has three toes and it hangs there and it doesn't move for years. <laughs> Moss grows on it, actually. The only thing that moves is every once in a while the tongue flicks out <laughs> to get a bug. Sloth. I guess that describes it. Sloth and torpor. A mind that will not focus, will not present anything that's discernible except fog. Have you noticed it today? Yeah. You see, 
Once you can name them and recognize them, then acceptance is possible and surrender is really in the air. Surrender to all the obstacles. Everybody encounters them. They're the prison, part of it. As soon as you can name it, you start finding that tube inside. In the silence of the retreat, and the silence is so precious, the silence is... Well, what is gold now? $1,400 an ounce or something? Silence is $2,400 a a nibbit. It's so valuable. It's so beautiful. You'll notice, as you become more and more at ease in the silence, the sound of the drill. There is a sound silence. It's called the nada sound in in, uh, Buddhist circles. The sound of nothing. The sound of silence itself. You may have heard it already. It's just simply that buzzing. It's, It's likened to a field of crickets when you first start to hear it. It's very loud here sometimes. The sound is inside you. It's an ancient practice to open to it and listen to it. Very old practice. A practice that I love very much. So sometimes when you're sitting and, you know, it's not going so well, just take a break and listen. Listen to the silence. It's a beautiful practice. I bet you they did a lot of that down there, too. It wasn't all talking. Listen to the silence. Let it have you. Let it take your attention. It turns into music. Well, see what I got here, if anything. One more quote from Ajashanti. Only that which is real and true has the power to liberate us from the mechanical and magnetic draw of the dream state. For ultimately it is ignorance, the belief in things that are untrue, that imprisons us within a trance state, which is induced by taking the conditioned stream of thinking within one's mind to be true thinking that it's truth. If we are to awaken from the mind's hypnotic embrace, we must question all of our beliefs and assumptions down to the very source of our being until that which is true, real, and everlasting reveals itself. That's the practice in a nutshell. It's a very noble thing that you've come here to undertake. 
doesn't get more noble or more sacred. This cavern that we're inhabiting and the atmosphere that is beginning to move in this room is palpable and hearable. Notice it as the days go on. Listen into the silence. Be a prisoner. Sit in the trap and wake up. That's what we're here for. I think I should shut up. I think you get the point. Use the time. We have days left. Use it wisely. Do it for you. Nobody else. Do it for you. This moment will never come again. It's only in now that we live. Thanks for your attention. Sit a little bit, just a few minutes. <clears throat>